the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Well, uh, before I go any further, could I have the life group leaders come up? We're going to let them share for a moment. We promised we'd let you hear a little bit from each one of them. Give them a round of applause. They have worked so hard. You see, they got their T-shirts on. Bye-bye. Who said it? We were singing it all yesterday at Youth Village. <laughs> oh, we getting a picture? This is our life group launch team. Got a few more in the back going to help us. I didn't know he was taking a picture, but that'll be good. Come on, little Joe. Oh, look, he's got to have his Bible. He can't come up. He's so sanctified. Y'all do know how to take pictures, right? What's taking so long? All right, so we got them, we got them up here. Now we're going to let them talk. But I told them they got two minutes apiece. That way nobody gets to speak longer than the other and kind of convince you to join their group. I know a lot of you have already joined, um, but, but after the service, you're going to be given an opportunity to sign up uh, directly today in case you had any glitches. I think a couple people said they had glitches on the computer. I don't know, but most people didn't. Oh, Lord. Well, I'm glad because I was hoping for a bigger turnout yesterday. Okay, so... Which one of you got your phone? Any of you youth got the phone with them? That's a silly question. <laughs> All right. Do you know how to work a timer? Who's got a timer? What I want you to do, look, when they get to one minute and 45 seconds, I want you to start singing the Jeopardy theme out loud. Da, 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 da. And you'll get the whole crowd singing it, okay? There you go. There you go. So at 1.45, you start singing. That's just to warn them. At two, at two minutes, no, 1.45 minutes. At two minutes, I want you to start saying, ang, 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 and I'm going to come and grab the microphone from them. All right. So I hope y'all took me serious when I said you had two minutes. Okay. The first group is what you called. Go, you go ahead and tell them. We're called the Rock Solid Marriage and Family Life Group. <clears throat> and I want to start with Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 up here on the screen in the NLT. <clears throat> no, I'm, I'm going to go by. TikTok it, baby. TikTok it. See, you should have loaded your scriptures in earlier. It'll be all right. I didn't know I was going to say this. Again, please. Well, you better. What's the verse again, please? There's going to be lots of fellowship, love, and getting into the Word of God. Come on out and get the spiritual tools you'll need to have a great family and even better marriage the way God would have it. Matthew 27, what? 
Matthew 27, verse 24. No. Uh -uh. I'm rebellious. <laughs> Are we having a problem with it? All right, go ahead. I'm testing the media team. All right. Anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. You can build a house on the sand, and you'll, you'll shift in sand. So there you go. <laughs> We're going to meet on Wednesdays from 6.30 to 7.30 at our house, and we can't wait to see you there. All right. They got it. Okay, um, I'm Anita, and this is Rick with the ponytail. <laughs> we are doing the Faith Builders group on Wednesday nights at 6.30, from 6.30 to 7.30, and we do allow children, of course. It's my home, so there are children in my home. So, yes, bring the children. And uh, Richard has already said that there might be food, so just a warning. Richard likes to eat. Be careful. <laughs> Okay, uh, one thing I wanted to share, and this, this scripture has been on my heart for years and years and years. I can't even tell you how long. Just I'm going to be quick so Richard will have time to talk. <clears throat> Acts 2.41, And those who gladly received his, or Peter's words, were baptized in, that day. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then, uh, I'm going to skip this. So, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, the church, and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were baptized and saved. So, you know, this, this has been my heart for a very long time. A very, very long time. So I, I'm just about to explode. I'm so excited we're doing this. Bridger's turn. Hurry, hurry. I'm trying. I'm trying. I still got a minute and a half left. We went on vacation, and um, I got some nuggets for y'all about faith. It says the currency in the kingdom of God is faith. Like the currency of the world is what? Money. Okay. <clears throat> Your words are faith speaking. Where the will of God is known is where your faith will be. Almost had to come get it. <laughs> Uh, I'm Brenda, and most of you here know me, and the life group I'm going to have is called Bold, and the Lord says it because it's body, uh, bread of life disciples, 
And that's what we're going to have is bread of life disciples. The bread is life is, is, is the Bible. It's the word of the God. It's the living word. And as we partake of the living word and we dig into it for the nuggets, we're all going to become closer to him. We're going to learn more about how to be like him. And we're going to eat the bread of life and it begins to live through us and, and to other people. And we're just so excited that God is going to join the people to the group that he wants there. All of us are going to be fitted into the place we fit. We're going to have fun. It's going to be held at the life group uh, I'm having will be held at the community where I live. They've given us access to the whole community room with the kitchen and the patio and the barbecue pit and the whole nine yards. So we're going to have games and fun and worship and prayer Get knit together and just really do life together and become family. So when you come into the body on Sunday morning, you won't feel like a third third left out party somewhere trying to figure out where you fit or who you belong to or do you know anybody or not. We're all going to come together through this, you guys. We're all going to get to know one another and be in one another's lives and live as a body of Christ that he intended us to be. And I don't want to preach, but I'm so excited about what's going to happen through these life groups. And I just praise God for all of us and what God is taking us to, to the next level. I want to join that group. <laughs> Amen. Well, I'm Mary McCall, and I just want to say you won't go wrong in any of these groups. I, I know each and every one of these people, and the only reason we're doing this is because we love God and we love people. And we're so excited. I have been just, like, jumping around, and Kaylee said, you're acting like Zoe. That's my daughter. I said, no, Zoe acts like me. But anyway, <laughs> my group is going to be called Amazingly Graced. And it's going to meet at the church. Mine's the only one at the church. It's going to be from 6 to 7 on Wednesdays. And um, mine is women only. Uh, so sorry um, if you're a man. I'm sorry. You cannot join this. That's the only thing is that mine is women only. And we're going to look at uh, all the roles that we're in. You know, wife, mother, sister, daughter, all these different roles that we're in. And um, they're all really, really awesome roles, but they all have their challenges. And... Um, as women, we're going to just delve into those. I'm going to dig into the Word and find some examples, godly examples, maybe women in the Bible that did it right, maybe some that didn't do it so well. And we're going to uh, see just how to do things, and we're going to apply God's grace to every role that we're in. And so we're just going to just get more victorious and more victorious as we go. And I just can't wait to have all of you women that are in my group uh, just to, to start, and uh, we've this has been a long time coming. This is not just something that we have taken lightly. It has been years and years and years that we've been planning this, and so we are just we're we're doing it. So we're so happy that y'all are going to do it with us. Hi everybody, uh, my name is Tyler. Uh, I'll be co-leading a group with Nick. Uh, our group will be the Freedom Fighters. Um, it'll be meeting every Thursday from seven to eight o'clock in South Haven at Nick's house. Um, basically, we're going to be in a group uh, learning how to find our freedom in Christ. Um, we're going to be building relationships with each other as well as our relationship with the Lord. Um, so we're going to learn how to basically strengthen our relationship and uh, just find our freedom, whatever it may be. Um, our group is open to anyone. Um, we do not provide child care. But if you feel like the Lord is leading you to this group, uh, come talk to either of us, and we'll figure something out. We'll give ideas. Uh, we'll make it work one way or another. All right, guys, give it up for all of these amazing group leaders up here. Like Mary said, 
Like Mary said, every one of these leaders has been praying for you and is super excited for what's about to take place. I would love for you to come to mind, but I want you to pray about which group you are supposed to go to. We're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to play a lot of games, and you might get to see Tyler test out those games and mess up so we can all laugh at him, and that'll be cool. And we are going to have a firm foundation in prayer and God's word. But the catch is, that's nothing if that's all you got. You also have to be able to live that out on a daily basis. So we're going to show you how to apply God's word and look at the world through a biblical lens on a day-to-day basis and what this means when you're at work and when you're at home. Because if you know how to pray, but you don't know how to live, then that means absolutely nothing. So we're going to have a lot of fun, form some real-life relationships, and it's going to be great. And I was done before they started singing Jeopardy, so come to my group. I won't keep you late. All right. Who's ready for life groups? Woo! Um, I'm Misty, and we will have uh, our life group is called Love Like That. And I was able to go to a conference yesterday, and it's called Gather. And they were like, why do we gather? We gather to have relationships, to build relationships. So I feel like we have life groups to gather so we can build relationships. But um, ours is called Love Like That. We're going to meet on Thursdays from 7 to 8. And Love Like That, it sounds like it's for marriage, but it's not. It's open to anyone, single, married, whoever. And um, if you're married, we can learn to love like that. You go to Walmart, you can learn to love like that. <laughs> if you work, you can learn a little bit more love. So we'll um, be talking about relationship secrets that um, were taught by Jesus in the Word and share with each other. And um, what was that the thing? If you're not sold out on life groups yet, um, think about if you've ever been to ice cream social here at Pastor's House or... Tim and Lisa's for the Fall Fest, that's like on a bigger scale. This is going to be even more personal, but I thought about that. Those gatherings have changed my family's life. So just think how much more a small group will do for our church. You know, we can all show up at church on Sunday and do church. But these life groups, you know, we're all doing life together. This is just going to be even better. So I hope to see you all there. Just wanted to clarify too that it's not this uh, uh, Big Joe and Megan doing the marriage rock, rocking the marriage thing. This is relational. We got to walk out Jesus every single day, okay? We're going to be able to tag team with this uh, freedom group too because it'll be able to let us get out there. And we are. We're supposed to show Jesus being a Christian is Christ like. So, how did he do it? What would Jesus do? What did Jesus do? We're going to figure it out. Amen. Amen. Give them a big round of applause. Oh, some of them wish that they would have told you what time it was, but their two minutes are up, so. You'll have to look on the bulletin board back there. You'll have to talk to them after the service, and then they'll be able to let you know. But I believe there's only one women's group. Uh, Men and women can come to any group. If you're married and you want to go to different groups together, you can do that. You You can decide what group that you want to be in. I think all the... All the groups will be able to accommodate children, and and children are going to be a priority that their spiritual well-being is taken care of as well in every group except the freedom group, which they're going to concentrate on getting, uh, taking you through an intensive 12-week course that's going to uh, set you free from the past, the hurts, the the addictions, and things like that. It'll be more intensive in the the, uh, freedom group, but the rest of them are child-friendly, 
Um, so you just let them know, and they're going to make arrangements for the children's welfare as a group. You guys will make those decisions together. Um, you guys can be seated for right now. Thank y'all. <clears throat> The closest thing that I think we've ever had to life groups is one time, about, probably about 15 years ago, we had uh, this marriage seminar thing, this 12-week deal where we met in homes. And everybody signed up, you know, for this marriage seminar. Me and Angie went. I wasn't too keen on it. I was thinking, what's this going to be about, you know? I don't know about this. And because men folks, let's be honest, we're skeptical and we're not meters like the women all want to sign up real quick, but the men are like holding back. But don't hold back because uh, I went to this thing and the first meeting we sat there and we was in somebody's home and it was a little awkward at first. We didn't know each other very well, but we we started talking and they started telling us about, you know, how to keep our marriage together, yada, 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 and all this stuff. And it was enough to keep me awake. You know, I wasn't dozing off or nothing. But then at the end, they said they're going to have this little sappy share fest thing where everybody's going to get to talk. And all of a sudden, of a sudden I'm like, oh, I don't want to do that. You know, I was very hesitant. And so some people, the women were talking, you know, but the men weren't. And they were just passing the mic down. When it got to me, I was like, yeah, I'm for all that stuff. You know, we didn't really have a mic, but it came to my turn. I said, you know, I'm, yeah, whatever they said. I, I, you know, I was, I, back, that was back before I was a preacher. I mean, you know, I was a, a, a new Christian. So I was like, and I, and I pointed to the next lady and she talked. And But there was this one guy named Big Jim. He was sitting in the group like this. You could tell he didn't want to be there. And they said, it's your turn. He said, I ain't got nothing to say. And then he stared at the next guy. And I chuckled under my breath. I said, that was worth the price of admission. That was worth watching there. Because <laughs> he said it in a voice loud enough and low enough to trigger a tsunami. I ain't got nothing to say. You know? And so it was a little awkward. But every week I would come just to, say, just to see, see Big Jim say that same thing. Next. You know, he, would, <laughs> he, would, he never would say anything. But... As we went on week by week, I started to loosen up a little bit. It got, got to be kind of fun. The teaching was actually helping our marriage a little bit, even though we'd argue all the way home about what they said. <laughs> but it was setting us free, you know, and it was teaching us. And, and I was even starting to enjoy the little sappy share fest at the end. Uh, and I was, I was a little nervous that Angie was going to disregard my warnings and start telling off on me, you know. But... but Thankfully, I knew that if she did, I would get her back, so that would keep her from doing it. I would tell on her, you know. But there were some people telling some stuff, you know, and then people were elbowing each other in the ribs and all that. It was got to be kind of crazy. And then Big Jim, I ain't got nothing to say. But about two, two weeks from the end, it got to Big Jim, and Big Jim opened up and said a couple sentences. Now, arguably, he was just responding to something his wife had accused him of. But I was, uh, that's a start, you know. And then the next week he did it again. And I was thinking, he, Big Jim's on a roll. Big Jim is going to start to to really open up. But that was the last week. And so the, well, the last week of meeting in the home, the last thing was we met here at the church and we were supposed to invite all our friends and family and, and come show them, you know, what this class has meant to us. And we were going to get married again. What do you call it? The renew your vows thing. And so, so we got together and, 
And we did that. The renewing our vows thing was easy, but it was they told us that we were going to have to uh, say something on the microphone and tell our friends and family, encourage them that they need to go through this class. And I was a little nervous about that, but I kept thinking, I wonder what Big Jim's going to say. And so we got there, and everybody went, and Big Jim was last, and everybody was holding their breath when they called Big Jim up. Big Jim jumped up from the back of the congregation, right back there. This was, we was in this building at the time. He came up here. He snatched that microphone off the thing like he owned it. He said, he said, you know, when I first came to this thing, I didn't have nothing to say because I thought everybody was holier than me, and I didn't, I didn't feel, I didn't fit in. And then he went on for like 10 minutes about how he realized that we was all jacked up, and he wasn't the only one. <laughs> <laughs> he started saying that you know what I, I realized that we weren't the only one with problems and he preached for like 10 minutes I don't remember what all he said but by the time he got through our friends and family were, were climbing over the pews to get back to the back to sign up for this class well I say all that to say if you gotta go, if you gotta sign up to these life groups fellas I don't really want to do that. I don't really, if you got to do it, if you're dreading doing it, do it anyway. I'm telling you, it's going to be life changing. Are we a perfect church? Are there, is there a perfect church? Is, are there even perfect people? I mean, you heard the old saying, you know, everybody's looking for this perfect church. The one that's got it all together. And if, then if, but they say, if you go, you'll mess it up because you're imperfect, right? But, but there's nobody perfect in any church, including the pastors and the leaders. Oh. My goodness. You know, we don't have it all together. There's nobody that's, their, their theology is 100% correct. We're all learning as we go. We hold each other accountable. We try to do the best we can. But, but the main things are, are you loving folks? Are you doing a great commission and a great commandment? You trying to stay as biblical and genuine to the Word of God as you can? You know, those are the things you look for. But don't expect perfection. Hey, we tell it right up front. We are a hospital of hope. That means you got people recovering here from their worldly ways and all the situations that they've been through in their life. All stages of recovery. People say, well, I'm not going to that church. They got sinners in there. Well, good night. Where are they supposed to be? Where do you want the sinners? We want them in our church so they can get saved. And once they get saved, does that mean everything? Now all of a sudden they're steeple people? Perfect plastic Christian knees people? No. They're people that, that their spirit is saved, but they got to go through the sanctification process just like the pastor does. Just like everybody does. And so we're all in different places in our understanding, in our walk with Jesus and stuff. So I'm glad Big Jim figured that out, and I hope you'll soon figure that out, that you fit in here. You want to find your fit? We hope it's with us. But God has a fit for you. Jesus talked... Uh, to the people, he was talking to some Pharisees one time, and it says he told the people that thought they had it all together, the self-righteous types, you know, the ones that's trying to, to portray themselves as having it all together. He said he told them a story about two people 
that came to the temple to pray. One of them was the Pharisee. They, lo- they wore the long flowing robes and they were the religious people of the time. And one of them was just a despised old tax collector. And it's, Jesus says that the Pharisee, he stood up in the front of the temple, raised his hands and said, prayed to himself. <laughs> that gets me that he prayed to himself. You've seen those kind of people. They pray and you know, is he even talking to God or is he just grandstanding? And he prayed thus with himself, it said, God, I thank you that I'm not evil and adulterous and a cheater and a sinner like this guy over here. He calls the other guy out in prayer. In the temple, calls him out and says, I thank you I'm not like him. I give tithes. I do this. I'm one of the perfect ones. Now I'm paraphrasing, of course. But Jesus said the other guy, he couldn't even look his head up. He just bowed his head and he beat on his chest and said, Lord, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. And Jesus said, which one of these do you think walked away justified? Well, see, neither one of them were justified. But for the blood of Jesus... Neither one, but he said the one over here walked away justified because he understood his depravity. Jesus said, I I didn't come for the well, but I came for the sick. Those who think they're well, show me one that's really well. See, it's an understanding that we're all in this boat together. And the quicker we understand that and have mercy on one another. Jesus said on the Sermon of the Mount, That if we show mercy, that we might be shown mercy. And I certainly don't want to be... You know, pointing fingers is heavy work. You point one finger at somebody else, you got three pointing back at you. Pointing fingers is exhausting. Like you said in that movie, The Help. Ain't you tired, Miss Hilly? Ain't you tired of pointing fingers at everybody else? I'm just saying. Apostle Paul says it's not wise to compare. It's not wise to compare. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, he says, if you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. Not that you don't want to stand strong. Not that you're not striving. You should be. We should be encouraging one another to be all that we can, to be holy. We should speak the truth. We should do it in love. But be careful. Because while you're pointing at everybody else, that pride is creeping up in you, and pride goeth before destruction, haughtiness before a fall. So he's saying be careful. If you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. We are all in this together. Would you do me a favor, if you're able, I know if you're with a walker today or something, or you're disabled, but would you stand to your feet right where you are? We see we all got different struggles. We all were dealt a different hand in this life. We all have different temptations. Maybe your temptation is, you know, you know you're weak and uh, as far as alcohol goes. Or somebody may say, well, you know, I can't stop gossiping. We all have these struggles that we deal with. We all dealt a different hand. Yours might be a physical limitation. 
or mental limitation or something. We're all dealt a hand in this life. But we do well to understand we're all in this together. So I'm going to ask you, as I read a few scriptures, and you have stood, and I'm asking you to stand and honor the word of the Lord as I read these scriptures today. Would you reach out to your left and to your right, and would you hold the hand next to you? And if you're on the inside of the aisle, would you come across? And so those visitors are saying, I'm never coming back. No. no, we're all in this together. Hold on to, I'm going to read you a couple of scriptures. We're going to stand in unity. Amen. We're going to stand in unity and read the word of God. Ephesians 4.2 says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. 2 Corinthians 1.4 says, He comforts us, God comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. In other words, if you're going through something and you're learning something, then and especially a hard time, it's not for nothing. God uses circumstances to grow you so that you can comfort someone else who will be going through that later. And then finally in Romans 12, verse 9, it says, let love be without hypocrisy. Don't just love in word only. Love in deed. Let us not just say we love each other on Sundays, but let us really develop relationships that allow for a deeper love. It says, abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another in brotherly, or you could say in sisterly love. In honoring, giving preference to one another. That means you, you value somebody else's well-being even over your own. It's almost sounding like we're supposed to be like Jesus. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient. Where did I hear that word? Patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, and giving to hospitality. Maybe you didn't know it. But God wants to use your house as a place of hospitality, a place of refuge. God is our refuge, and we need to make our houses refuge for the hurt and the broken and the lonely. And we need to learn to invite people to our houses so they can see the way true life is supposed to be lived. I want you to take that hand, close your eyes for a moment, and squeeze that hand on your left and right just to let them know we're in this together. And you can be seated. And three fist fights broke out in the back. Somebody squeezed too hard. No. <laughs> All right, now we're back in the meet and greet period. You guys are hugging again, aren't you?
Okay. What makes us any different than the world? Is it because we speak Christianese and we have a, a fish bumper sticker on our car? Is that the only thing that sets us apart from the world? I mean, come on. Do you have to tell everybody you're a Christian? Some of you won't even do that. I'm not telling anybody I'm a Christian. <laughs> They'll never know. <laughs> John thirteen thirty five. Jesus says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. That's what sets us apart. We love one another. The world don't know how to do that. We have compassion for one another. Empathy for one another. We understand that we're all in this together. We're understanding people. We have the fruit of the Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling in, inside of us. Galatians 5, what, 22 says, Love, peace, joy, long-suffering, patience, kindness, gentleness. We have things that the, we have gifts that the Holy Spirit has given us that make us, set us apart. And the world should want to be Christians because they see us loving one another. But how do they view us in America? Now, of course, you got the devil working his spin machine full time to try to make everybody think that the church is the worst place and the hypocrites and all this thing. But we have to counter that with love. We can't, we can't give in to what the world says about the church. Sure, some churches are messed up, but let's pray for them. But let our church... My goodness, as much as within me, let me do all I can to be the real church, to, to be the city on a hill. We're supposed to be the light of the world. And we're supposed to be set apart by our love for one another. Now, when I walk up here on Sundays and take the pulpit, what do you see? No, no. No. Do you see... Oh, here he comes again. Couldn't he wear some better shoes? I can see his nose is crooked from all the way back here, Alice. You know. Why don't he get a haircut? You know, here he goes. He, why does he always talk like this when he's doing my voice? You know. There's things that's going to bother you about me after you've heard me for many times. You know, it's just natural. But do you just notice my flaws? I'm saying that because when you see people, how do you see people? If you just, if you look at me and all you see is the negative, then you know what you need to do? You need to get saved. No, <laughs> no really. Or you need to repent because... We're supposed to see people differently. The love of God was shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost when we got saved. See, it's the world that's judgmental and critical about everything. I mean, greatly so. More than ever now, right? Now that people can blog, I did not know people were so critical. I didn't know that you have to get on there and say something bad about Popeye's or you have to get on there and say something bad about the new restaurant or you have to say something bad about every preacher and every everybody. I didn't know you had to do that. I didn't know that everybody thought that way. I remember I used to think that way, but I thought when I got saved, I began to see the best in others. Amen or oh me, you know. 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it's a wonderful passage of Scripture. It talks about us being one body. You know, we were brought into one body. There's a foot, and there's a hand. I don't know which part you are. You may be an ear, an eye. You may be the liver. You may be an ankle. I don't know what part of the body, but you were given special gifts and abilities to, to function within this body. And the Bible says that God puts us all into the church that he wants us to be in because our peace, the gifts and abilities he's given us is what he needs to make that body whole. He puts you where he wants you so that he can use your gifts uniquely in that body. And then right before that, it talks about those gifts, the major gifts of the Holy Ghost, the gifts of the Spirit. And he says that all of us have a gift, at least one gift. And, it, and I wrote them down. There's the, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the gift of faith, healings, miracles, prophecy, discerning the spirits and tongues and interpretation, nine major gifts. Of course, there's a lot of other gifts the Holy Spirit gives you know, organization skills, leadership skills. He gives a lot, a lot of gifts, but nine major ones. These are supernatural nine. These are things that you can't do in your own strength. And you would think that supernatural gifts that God gives, it, man, if we were a church, we're always praying, Holy Spirit, come and fill us. Holy Spirit, let us walk into miracles. Holy Spirit, give us supernatural services. We want your presence and all that. And we want, we want to see the miracles. And absolutely we do. But I'm going to say something a little controversial. Not controversial, but maybe a, a little upsetting to you. You can have all the supernatural gifts you want and still not be the soul winning church that God called you to be. And you know why I say that? Turn to the very last scripture in 1 Corinthians 12. In verse 31, it says you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. You, Yeah, it is right for us to say, I want to, God, give me the ability to prophesy. Give me the ability to lay hands on the sick and see them recover the gift of healings. Give me supernatural faith so I can believe. Give me these gifts. I earnestly desire them so that I can be used by you. Yes, I should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. But the next word is that three-letter word called but. Say but. Yeah. Now, let me show you a way of life that is best of all. Better than the gifts of the Holy Ghost? Because it... It wasn't written in chapter and verse. It was written in letter form. We put the chapters and the, the, the verses in there. And it, so it just smooth flows right on in to the love chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. The love chapter. There's something, there's something better than just the gifts, the supernatural gifts. In fact, I'm here to tell you today, that you'll never operate in those supernatural gifts if you don't have love. Because faith worketh by love. The faith to receive those gifts comes by love. God's not going to pour out His supernatural gifts on you if you ain't going to operate in love. 
And it says in 1 Corinthians 13, 1, if I could speak of all the languages of the earth and angels, but I didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. You just make a noise. If I had the gift of prophecy and I understood all God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but I didn't love others, <laughs> I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor, even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is the greatest of all. Faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. God is love. Love is the most powerful force in the world. And I'm just here today to tell you, I'm saying all this stuff to get to the point that people really just want to be loved. Oh, I just want to be loved. Tell me some more. <laughs> I mean, they were saying my nose was crooked. <laughs> Look. I'm telling you, love speaks volumes. You know, you do a miracle or whatever, that'll be good for a little while, they'll forget it. But they'll never forget the way you made them feel. You can preach the Word of God to them, and it may unlock some mysteries in their life, but that knowledge comes and goes, they'll forget that. But they'll never forget the way you made them feel. And God is concerned about us loving one another more than anything you see what big jim desired and he didn't know he desired when he was in that marriage group is love us men folks i don't need no love i don't need nobody i was taught to be my own man just do it myself to be this island and look at all the men missing out of their families Look at all the men missing out on their calling in life. Led astray by the devil. You need love just like the women do. They do. We need love. Those little kids yesterday, they need so much love. It just breaks your heart. Just to, They come in, put their head down on the table and and you just begin to talk about Jesus' love, just the idea that, that that man could be telling the truth, they perk up. Don't they, Richard? Man, just the, the thought that really I could be loved. And, and some of us have buried it so deep. We used to have friends. We used to hang out when we was kids. We had friendships were so important. Relationships were so important. Loving mom and dad was so important until we became a teenager, you know, and we got this rebellious streak and all these hormones got to us. Then we got to be adults and we got so much responsibility. We ain't got time for that. And our lives just dry up on the vine. You are never meant to be without love. Now, God's love will never fail you. 
God's love is always there. We just walk away from it. But we must come together and remind each other through our own acts of love. We must always be pointing people to the love of God by loving them like God. We have a responsibility to love and to be loved. If you be honest with yourself, you know you need love. The, G- the night Jesus was betrayed, he knew who was going to betray him. He knew all his disciples was going to run off before the night was over. Leave him hanging in his moment of need. Jesus, still, he met with them in an upper room. And he had a meal with them. But before he did, he got down on his hands and knees and he washed their feet. Now, if you want to see a contradiction in of all contradictions, why is God washing people's feet? Because God is love. And He says, I'm here to show you how to do it. I'm here for you to, that, that you should understand that you should wash each other's feet. If I, being the Lord, have washed your feet. He washed their feet. He enjoyed a meal with them. He talked, he shared his life with them. He shared his deepest, most intimate secrets with them at this meal. He could have been anywhere. Oh, he could have said, ah, you know, I've got big things going. They're fixing to come get me tonight. I just need to be alone right now. But no, he knew the power of closeness, of relationship. And so he he was with them. And and they, they, they took the last supper together. And then it says they sang a hymn. They sang together. And then he took them to the garden where they prayed together. And even when Judas came and kissed him on the cheek, he was loving him to the end. Then he went and laid down his life for his friends. And we'd do well to do the same in our life, to have an understanding, maybe not to die for somebody, but to at least be willing to lay down part of our lives. A moment to pray with somebody. A $5 bill when they're hungry or something. To lay down part of your life. When Jesus was resurrected, He uh, came back and He stayed with them a while and He taught them. and They were so excited. He restored Peter because that's what he does. He restores people. Some of you are here today and you think, well, I've walked away from Jesus. He's still in the restoration business. He's just saying, feed my lambs. Jump back into the game. Feed my sheep. The lambs are the little ones. The sheep are the grown ones. He's saying, just come on back. Still got a plan for your life. He said, I want you to go to Jerusalem and wait until you be endued with power from on high. So he he ascended into heaven. He told a man, I want you to go in all the world and make disciples before he left. The last thing he said, 
He said, I want you to share with others what I have taught you. We're here to develop Jesus' heart in you. It's what we do. We each come and learn that we may go and teach, making true disciples who will take up their cross and follow the Lord. And so that's what he basically told them. I want you to take what I have imparted into you and carry it to the world. But before you do, I want you to get those gifts. I want you to get that power. And so he breathed into them. They were born again. And they, they went to the upper room. And what did they do? These knuckleheads, they finally got it. They stayed together. They all assembled together. They ate their, began to ate their meals together. And they were waiting on the Lord together. Almost sounds like a church, doesn't it? The way a church should be. They were praying together. And they were in one accord. That don't mean they all agreed on every issue, but they all agreed on the major things. They were all waiting on Jesus. And I believe it's only because they had just spent the last three, three years walking with Jesus and learning a more excellent way. Isn't that what he says? In the King James, it says, now let me show you a more excellent way. And then the love chapter begins. <laughs> See, you're supposed to give expression to this new life that Jesus has given you. You don't just sit on it. It's meant to be shared. It's meant to be expressed. What Jesus has given you is supposed to flow through you as naturally as if you were a pipe and, and He was the water. Or if you were the branch and He was the vine and, and His life-giving juices just shoot on through you. You know why the early church grew so fast? The first day, He mentioned it, 3,000... Who said 3,000 souls? You did? The first day, 3,000 souls. Wow. I believe it's because they displayed something that all the people, all of them, were secretly longing for. Whether they knew it or they were like Big Jim and didn't know it. Real relationships. Say relationships. You may have let them slip in your life. You may have let the devil get you busy being under Satan's yoke. You may have lost sight of some things. You may have been hurt. So you said, I'm not putting up with that anymore. And you have closed yourself off. You may, you may sit there, I ain't got nothing to say. Next. But I'm telling you, under that hard exterior is a heart that's crying out for relationships. It's crying out for that love. <laughs> now, I used Big Jim as an example, and that's not really his name. His name is Big Tim. Tim Tubbs. Now, where's Tim Tubbs? Tim, you hiding in the back back there? You got your arms crossed? 
<laughs> Come out for, wave at us, Big Tim. He might be asleep back here. Y'all wake him up. <laughs> now, you know Big Tim is involved in everything in the church right now. And you can't shut him up for nothing. You start talking to Big Tim, you'll be here till supper time. And that's good because he realized that we're all in this together. Isn't that right, Big Tim? Did it impact your life when you saw that we weren't a bunch of steeple people and we were just all in this together? <laughs> you know, a couple of years ago, I saw Big Tim just being faithful. He, he was doing what he knew to do. And I said, Big Tim, you got leadership abilities. And I br brought him in my office and I showed him our org chart. On the wall, you know, the different leaders of the different departments and the groups and who's over the children, who's over the media, who's over the sound and all that. And I showed him the names and started explaining to him how the church worked. And he said, I didn't know all this was even going on. I thought we just showed up on Sunday and it just happened. <laughs> he had no, he said, I had no idea. But you know what he, he did? He said, put me in, coach. Put me in, coach. And now he's like a superstar leader here in the church. Way to go, Tim. <laughs> and I believe these life groups are going to do that for you. I really do. With my whole heart, I've been praying about this. I believe these life groups are going to pull you out of your shell. It's going to open your eyes to the things you've been missing. That's what it's been doing for me, training these life group leaders. We've been having life groups. You know what? It has been joyful. It has brought joy back into to this life of mine. It's like, man, this is the way it's supposed to be. Now, why, why have we not been doing this? I mean, it's good to, to, to hug a neck on Sunday, but it's a lot different to be able to sit down one-on-one -on -one and eat a meal together and, and talk and let, they, let your hair down. Like somebody I know. You might just be one life group away from becoming a real kingdom powerhouse like Tsunami Tim. I want, you to, I want you to give these life groups a chance. Even if you go dreading it, even if you don't really want to go, just go. The Holy Spirit's trying to get you in position to love and to be loved. I mean, we've been praying this out if, for two years. And I've been preaching on it for months. I've been throwing it into every service. If you're still just going to sit there and resist everything that your pastor is telling you to do, you know what you need to do? You need to get saved. No, I <laughs> Really, seriously, you're breaking my heart up here. If you're still saying, I'm not going to be a part of that, I don't want none of that, that's just a church thing, then you're, you don't understand church very well. The Holy Spirit is getting you in a position to love and to be loved. God is looking for a willingness in you to open yourself up to let other people in. That's how love has to do. I know you've been hurt. I know you got all this going on. But there's some things you've got to make time for. Only by laying your life down can you hope for any kind of resurrection. Unless you're dying to the old, you're not going to take hold of the new. 
This must take place in us. The power of the Holy Spirit is going to be in the love. And if we don't develop real love for our brothers and sisters in the church, there will never be the power of the Holy Spirit like we want to experience in the church. You're praying, I know we're praying for the power of the Holy Spirit, but we got to lay a foundation of love for it to, to stand upon. And when we do, you're going to come alive. The church is going to come alive. Everything is going to come alive. Things are going to begin to make sense. The power of God is going to be so impactful that people are going to flood to this church. There won't be no empty purple seats, and we hate empty purple seats. We'll be buying more purple seats when people look and say, these people... listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.